So I guess I have to talk before I can have tacos. I'm excited about the tacos. I woke up like, tacos today, but sermon first. Really, short sermon, short sermon, mini tacos, mas tacos, four, four, four. Um, I want to thank you guys, just reiterating, I, we've raised uh, since the, the whole, uh, we started doing the fifth Sunday offering at the beginning of the pandemic, so we could just, all of our fifth Sunday offering uh, just allocates to benevolence, and it's gone to Honduras, it's gone to a variety of things in the community, and we're just right under $200,000, uh, what we've raised so far, and uh, every month we've been doing the mobile markets, and I just appreciate so much your support, um, and like, we're going to hear more about Saving Faith School, but uh, Tammy and I already um, sponsored Rebecca, and I, I know this can be a wonderful opportunity for all of us um, to just be able to, to be a blessed, to be a blessing in the world. Well, I want to start after... This last weekend, i just show you a picture. What do you think about when you see this? What are your memories? I mean, and some of us, we may not have been born, and I know that. I actually asked uh, Trevor Hollenbeck the other day, um, were you born... I didn't know. I didn't know. And he was, and he said, but his answer was fascinating to me. He said, I wasn't. And he said, I think he was in grade school. And he's our tech. Um, he was up here playing drums a minute ago. But he said, you know, what I remember going to school, and they wouldn't let us talk about it. And, and apparently, you know, they didn't even show it on TV, the, the teacher, and he was really upset about that. And I thought that was a fascinating thing. I watched several documentaries this last week on September 11 and the hunt for bin Laden. And uh, just, you know, like so many Americans, just in, in, right on the heels of the withdrawal from Afghanistan and then trying to get Americans out and our allies out, allies out um, there's all kinds of emotions thinking back 20 years. I remember my dad called me really early on Tuesday, uh, September 11. And I knew something was wrong right away because, frankly, Dad's not a morning person. And I think it was the only time he's ever called me in the morning ever. And he just, I remember him saying something about, you know, the news and airplanes in New York, and I, I turned on the news, and I just spent, you know, the next several hours just stunned. That morning changed our world. And it brought us together, at least for a little while, as a nation. I was in my second church. We were in the South Puget Sound. And, uh, you know, people were just confused. And people were scared. And we did everything we could think of to, to help people. We had a candlelight uh, prayer vigil. And I had a, a sermon series on something like, you know, making sense of unsenselessness. I don't remember what it was called. But I had a retired general in the church that I, I just loved. And he, he really uh, was just a blessing to me. And I asked him to lead a Sunday school class uh, just helping us understand uh, some of the, the relationships and the history in that area. And we even brought members of the local mosque from uh, Olympia uh, to come and talk with the Sunday school a couple weeks afterwards. And I really remember churches just Sunday mornings ballooned 
for a couple weeks right after September 11. Everyone flocked to the churches because they were wanting answers from something that just didn't make sense. And that balloon didn't last, at least for a lot of churches. And, and I remember reading statistics, how many churches didn't even talk about it. And I thought that was fascinating what Trevor told me, that they weren't, that day they didn't talk about it. Because, you know, people flocked to churches for answers, and, and they, frankly, they didn't find many. And they didn't come back. Now, I have to say, I was so proud of, of this church, and, and I heard, you know, uh, Pastor Dale uh, talked about September 11, and then they even really focused the whole nativity uh, that year around September 11. And, you know, we have an amazing heritage, like I said earlier. Because people were asking, they were asking questions like, how could this happen? I mean, why would anyone hijack a plane and fly it into a building? And more than one. How could God allow this to happen? Where is God in this? And these are spiritual questions. It's obviously the church's job to help with spiritual struggles. So people came to the church for answers. Last week, uh, you know, Pastor Trevor, he was back after a, a month uh, in Europe. He and Shanette, Shanette actually just uh, finished her residency, uh, and so they took a month off. Uh, she's a full-fledged doctor. Go, Shanette. If I, if I, like, fall down and have a heart attack or something, she's, like, right there. <laughs> Quick, what's the number for 911? So anyway, they, they came back from Europe, and they had an amazing vacation, and, and he showed us all these beautiful pictures of their trip last week, and these amazing sanctuaries, and they were, they were just huge, and he talked about how they were such a legacy, and, and the architecture, you know, the sad fact is so many of those beautiful, huge, mammoth European sanctuaries, they're museums. People really don't go in very often for worship. Not like they used to. So much of Europe is secular now. And, and these beautiful historic cathedrals, they're built to, to glorify God. But they kind of stand as monuments to the past. You know, few people do gather in them. Don't misunderstand me. But, but just the reality you know, this last year we had a, a series on the seven letters of seven churches from Revelation, and, and they were the early flagship churches. I'm like, Ephesus, you know, Paul wrote Ephesus, that's the Ephesians, and, you know, Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira and just all of, you know, Philadelphia. Those were major churches in early Christianity, but they're gone. It's now modern Turkey, and, you know, it's an Islamic area. Now, why would I mention this? Because somewhere along the line, they stopped being relevant, and people stopped coming and being a part. They weren't finding answers to their spiritual struggles. Now, at best, you know, they're museums, and you go to remember the past. As I said earlier, yesterday we celebrated the life of Dorothy Boucher. 
and um, you know, a picture of Phil and Dorothy, and they were, you know, our first generation pastors. Um, Dorothy was actually our first female board member, and we got a picture of her at a groundbreaking, and there's Pastor Dale on, on the end there. The, the next one over is actually my grandpa. This is a breaking ground down when we were actually Tri-City Community Church. I, I think we got a picture of Tri-City Community Church. Oh, that's the first one. I love this. So Dorothy and, and Phil, uh, they just moved into town from Colorado, and they, they heard that there was a, a gospel quartet that was singing and, and at the Methodist Church, and so they went... But they went to the wrong Methodist church. This is a People's Evangelical Methodist church, and they went to, meant to go to another one. But they, they kind of, you know, they had a baby, Ginger, and um, uh, actually um, Roberta Sanders and Jane White gave them a baby blanket, and so they were like stuck. <laughs> but I think the next picture is, a, the, yeah, this is a, the, what the groundbreaking was, and this was when we were the Tri-City Community Church. We have a long, long, long heritage is my point. We had a dozen names, at least. I didn't, we stopped counting. So, Phil was one of our first-generation pastors. And you know, say Pastor Dale was a founding pastor, and he led a team. Who paved the way, is my point. And, and yesterday, we talked about the legacy that they have left for us. And most are up in the great cloud of witnesses right now. And, and, and they, they ran their race, and, and now they're resting from their labor, and they're cheering for us as they pass the baton to us. It's our turn to carry the baton. And the point is, we have to be relevant. People are asking spiritually. We, we have to be there because it's our turn. We have to bear fruit. Do you know one of the first commandments God ever gave, and I didn't know, Trevor and I were talking about this uh, the other day, um, one of the first things God ever said, it is the first thing recorded that God ever said to humans was bear fruit. From first chapter of Genesis 128, God blessed them and God said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and sea and over the birds of the air and everything that moves upon the earth. Now, the, I, I looked into this and be fruitful, it, it can just as easily be translated as bear fruit. And it's one of the most consistent commands throughout the entire Bible. Bear fruit. And what does it mean to bear fruit? I've been thinking about it a lot in the last year. People are looking for answers to spiritual questions. The pandemic and all the stuff from last year and now the anniversary of September 11 and after we pull out of a 20-year war with Afghanistan, and I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And the thing that hit me about two months ago, the call to bear fruit, it's not dependent upon your context. It, it, regardless what's going on, we're called to bear fruit. And I think we have a greater call to bear fruit than ever because the spiritual need is so great today. 
God gave me an amazing gift just a, a couple weeks ago, and, and I didn't see it coming. We have a lot of faces uh, that are new here at Hillspring, and a lot of people watching online. Um, it's actually Ken Beekler's birthday today. I know they're watching online, and he's one of our firemen, uh, you know, think about September 11. And it was neat. Yesterday, I saw several people who came from the funeral who they've been watching online. Uh, Gwen was back here, and I, it, was just, it was really neat uh, to, to see some faces but we have a lot of new families. And so we've been trying to get to know them. And so I've been trying to get out and meet some of our new families. And, and so I went to visit a new friend uh, a couple weeks ago, Ryan Johnson. And see, Ryan is a Johnson. They, his family, they started watching online over the last year. And they've been in worship regularly. And his son Isaac even went to Salem on our youth trip. And, uh, you know, it's really cool seeing this happen. So Ryan oversees all of the farming and all the viticulture for Weather Eye Vineyards and, and up on Red Mountain. And so I went up on Red Mountain, and he gave me a tour. And, and it was awesome. Um, I really enjoy getting to know him. And he's already just a gift for me personally. But, but I'll tell you, God spoke to me, and I want to show you some video. As we were driving around on the ridge of Red Mountain... And, and how he's been able to take an area that is, is not hospitable at all to, to growing grapes. And he's, he's making amazing, amazing grapes. And we'll talk about this one in a couple weeks. I'm excited about that. But, you know, as I was driving around up there, it just hit me, regardless of our context, if it's just perfect for growing fruit, or if, frankly, it's a desert and the wind's coming and, and you can't get water up there, you, you still call to bear fruit. It doesn't matter if you're in a pandemic. It doesn't matter. We're called to bear fruit all throughout the Bible. And there's so many lessons from vineyards in, in the Bible on how to do this. And so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a sermon series looking at primarily parables and some sayings from Jesus on vineyards and on wine. And we're going to ask Ryan and several other professional uh, vineyard, uh, uh, vine, vineyard people, I need to come up with a term there, vintners, vintners, and, and also some professional wine people that we have in the church. And, and I'm going to, we're going to ask them to get their unique perspective on Jesus' teachings, like this one from John 15. I want you to listen to Jesus' words. I am the true vine. My father is the vine grower, and he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Now, you've already been cleansed. Now, in, in Greek, the same word uh, cleansed and, and prune, it, it's an interesting thing, and I'd love to tell you about it, but we have tacos coming. So, you have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you, abide in me, and I will abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done to you. 
My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. So here's the deal. In Jesus' day, there's a lot in that passage that everyone would have understood, and most of us, frankly, don't. Because back in Jesus' day, if, if you just had a little bit of land, you would grow grapes. Even like an eighth of an acre, a tenth of an acre, you would, you would be growing grapes. Why? Because the, so often the water wasn't safe to drink, was the point. And, and so they drank wine instead. And it was just a way of life. And, and a family, if they had a tenth of an acre, they could produce enough grapes. They, they really watered it down, but they could produce enough grapes to get them through an entire year. Now, we live in wine country, obviously, but most of us don't really get a lot of what Jesus is talking about here. Not like the people of his day, um, where, like I say, everyone had their own little vineyard, or at least they had a friend and they would help them. It was a reciprocal agreement. Now, I'm not a great gardener, I admit it. I live on a farm, and we actually have a vineyard on the farm. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. And I worked on a farm growing up. And so, you know, there, I, I know enough to know there is a lot about farming that I don't know, you know. And, and the truth is I'm probably better at the mechanics than the biology. But, but I understand the theory behind a lot of it, and especially pruning. If you don't prune a grapevine and you just kind of let it grow on its own, it's going to produce all kinds of vines and uh, you know, it's going to be a tangled mess, and it's not going to have very nice grapes. But if you prune the vines, you're going to have a whole lot less vines, but, but you're going to have a much, much higher quality grape. Because pruning gets rid of the tangled mess. And that allows better light, and you channel the sun's energy, and it, it's able to bear fruit. Without pruning, the vines, like I say, they just become kind of this tangled web, and they produce really low-quality fruit. But after they're pruned, uh, the vines, they, 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 they're so much more productive, and they're able to bear such better fruit. Pruning helps the vines, and it helps them become what they're capable of doing. You would never know what they're capable of doing until they're pruned. So Jesus is saying here that we need the pruner's knife in order to be what God has called us to be, like Maisie earlier. And without pruning, we're just a kind of a tangled mess, and we're never going to experience our potential. What we can be is never, ever going to be realized unless we experience pruning even the disciples, I mean, that's who he's talking about to at this point in John. They needed pruning. Now, here's the point. They had already borne some fruit, but their pruning wasn't over. Once a vine bears fruit, it needs to be pruned again so it will bear in the next season. And this is not just a nice little illustration it's really a description of who Jesus is and his relationship to his followers. Jesus says, I am the true vine, 
We, the church, are the branches, and God is the vine grower. We're his people. He works through us. But to do that most effectively, to be who we were created to be, we need some pruning. Every one of us. And it's going to change season to season. This this really is profound. It's not a one-and-done thing. Once you bear fruit, you still need pruning for the next season. It's a lifelong process. Jesus says that branches that don't produce, they just wither and die. They're only good for the fire. But those that are in the vine, they live and they bear fruit. And even though they need some pruning, they'll continue to bear fruit. So it was my dad's birthday Friday. I love that picture. And Dad, and most of you know Dad, yeah. And Dad's been in ministry his whole life, right? Uh, you know, he's, um, when he retired, I've been thinking about Dad a lot. Uh, you know, he, he, he had to start a new ministry as, as Dad and I when I was a kid, backpacking. We spent a lot of time backpacking. And it's on the, Mom and Dad's anniversary, we all went up on a balloon, and it was just so much fun over the Laos. But, and let's pause there for a second. So, so, you know, when Dad, he retired, he started a new ministry when he first came to this church. And, and he, he started writing notes. And how many of you have had notes written? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and before the pandemic, I think, you know, we have a lot of new people. Um, throughout his ministry, he didn't have time to do that. But he knew how important it was. And so one of the things he, he really felt a call when he came here was, was this ministry of note writing. And it's really amazing. I'd go to people's houses and, you know, they'll have one of Dad's notes on their, on their refrigerator. You go to somebody's work and there's one there on the, on the desk. And I'm like, wow, when did you write that? And, and they'll say, oh, I got that like three years ago or four years ago. And they, kind of, they frame them. But you know, my point is, he wasn't called to that ministry until he changed season of life. And the last couple of years, you know, my mom's been uh, dealing with health issues, and so more and more of his time has been spent taking care of mom. Because in seasons of life, your call changes. And, and the thing, you know, and I'm so proud of Dad, because the, the pruning knife... It can be a painful experience. But the vine, it struck me this week, is never, ever, ever closer to the vine dresser than when it's being pruned. It's an intimate experience that happens for long-term health and, and, and productivity, but also because, frankly, the vine dresser loves the vine. And wants the vine to be able to bear fruit. So how do we remain in him? And what does that look like? Well, we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. Um, but, 
Branches that just go on their way and try to grow on their own, they just become a tangled mess. And they're good for nothing, eventually. You know, it strikes me right now, we need community more than ever. You can't go alone and bear fruit. At least not like you would bear fruit when you realize you're one branch of a much larger vine. And so, like Trevor said, today's our full kickoff. And um, April tells us to wear jerseys so she can wear her Cowboys jersey. And we get to eat tacos, that's for me. But, but we're also, we're going to talk about our fall programming and our youth and our children's and our men's and our women's and our small groups and, you know, Africa and Honduras and all of the, you know, wonderful things, the after-school ministry, everything we do. But it's all part of that process is what I want you to see and how vital that process is so that we can bear the fruit that God wants us to bear individually but collectively as well. I'm really excited for this series to be able to share with you some great lessons, but the first one, are we putting ourselves in the position to be pruned? And how are you going to plan on doing that this year? And is it something you're going to do on your own? And how's that really going to work? Or is it something you can covenant to be a part of so that we can help one another in the midst of a lot of spiritual questions and we can help others? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you on this day for community. I thank you for your love, which gently prunes us gently calls us to gather gently calls us to bear the fruit that you have envisioned for every one of us as we begin this new season Lord help us to realize you are the vine dresser in your son's name we pray. Amen.